meeting. Uh, I'm your host for this meeting. Hi, friends. OARI stands for Recovery Inspire Shared Experiences, and we are glad that you're all here. Will all those who wish please join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Our unity with diversity policy is as we extend the heart and hand of the OA fellowship to those who still suffer, let us be mindful of OA's unity with diversity policy, which respects our differences, yet unites us in the solution to our common problem. Whatever problem you may have with food, you are welcome at this meeting. Our, uh, this is our preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive eating. We welcome everyone who wants to wish, sorry, wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, uh, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any, sorry, I lost my space. I apologize. I should know it's off my heart though. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Um, could I please have Leslie read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous? Sorry, I'm unmuting you. There we go. My name is Leslie, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. I was muted. Thank you so much, Leslie. Uh, Wendy, would you mind reading the 12 Traditions of OA? You betcha, Shiver. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater. My name is Wendy. I'm here by the grace of God. And these are the 12 Traditions. One, tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Whoopsie. Hang on. Sorry. Um. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, are the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, 
Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group but never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the lever level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, Wendy. Okay, uh, according to our seventh tradition, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. Should we happen to receive contributions in excess of our expenses, they will be sent directly to the World Service Office. Contributions can be made by PayPal to our email address, which is info at oarise.org, or you can visit our website at oarise.org and click the Contribute Now button on the home screen. A suggested donation of $3 allows us to cover the cost of the Zoom subscription, and it also helps us to maintain the OA Rise website, where we upload and store the recordings for you and for all OA members. Your seven tradition contributions are needed to keep the OA Rise speaker meetings going. And here is a bit of important information about this meeting. This is a two and a half hour speaker meeting. At this time, all attendees are muted. Uh, this meeting is being recorded so that an audio-only recording can be posted on the oarise.org website. Should there be a Q&A in this meeting, and I believe there will be, um, and you have a question for the speaker but do not want your voice to be heard on the recording, please send your question to a co-host. That's myself and Jan today, and then Audrey will be coming a bit later. Uh, send us a message through the chat, and we will read your question for you. Uh, please note that by sharing or asking a question, you consent to being recorded and having the recording posted on the OA Rise website. The chat feature is currently turned off, except to communicate with myself or Jan. Feel free to contact one of us if you need assistance. Please note that speakers are only listed as co-hosts so that they have ease of access to use the Zoom features. So please communicate with myself or the OA Rise co-hosts only. And here's a couple of security things, just so you know, to protect OA Rise from individuals outside of our program who have been disrupting our meetings. Anyone who enters after the meeting has begun will be restricted from turning their video on until there's a break. And if your video is enabled out of courtesy to the other attendees and the speaker, if you need to get up and move around, eat, use your phone, etc., please turn off your video so that your actions will not be distracting to others. And if necessary, we may turn off your video and it will need to remain off until we enable the video features for all members. Our hosts of the meeting will have the ability to change attendees' names. So if you would like your name changed, please message one of us. And uh, those are all the security things, but please note the specific foods may be mentioned at this meeting. 
We'll take a five minute break approximately halfway through. And finally, just a reminder that the opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. All right, all of that is done. <laughs> so it is now my great pleasure uh, to introduce you to our speaker today, Janice. And she will be sharing on, I will let Janice actually fill you in following the spiritual path, but I'll let Janice fill you in on it all. Uh, and I turn it over to you, Janice. Thank you so much for coming and welcome to OA Rise. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I, uh, the first thing I want to say is I want to ask God to relieve me of the bondage of self, because I mean, you know, like they told me there would be about 50 people on here, but you know, each one individual, we all matter and that's what really matters. And so I'm definitely asking God to relieve me of the bondage of self. Uh, we, my name is Janice and I, I am a compulsive overeater. And as the, the hour goes on, I will we'll be sharing um, a little or a lot about my, my life and my uh, involvement in Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I got an um, email from uh, Sherry on Wednesday morning asking me if I could do this today that the person had canceled. And um, she said that I could talk about what I wanted to. And man, do I ever love that, you know? And uh, she wanted to know if I could uh, come up with a theme and and so uh, Saturday, uh, I really worked, uh, Friday or Saturday, I worked on that a lot, trying to think about what um, I might would like the theme to be. And, and this is what I came up with. Um, I came up with following this spiritual path, this one, this 12 step of Overeaters Anonymous that was laid down for us by Alcoholics Anonymous. This is the path I'm talking about. So following this spiritual path is the theme of uh, today's uh, OA Rise uh, talk topic that I'm going to uh, share about. Um, I am a, I am a, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I uh, I've been uh, walking and living and working and being around this 12 step path for uh, 45 and a half years. And um, it's something that I'm really, really grateful for. And how, how do you put into words something that's so sacred and so uh, special in my life? I can't, but I, I will give it my best shot. It was uh, April the 4th of uh, 1978 uh, that I walked into my very first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. I live in a home of Louisiana, which is uh, down here by the Gulf of Mexico. Um, my uh, central office is uh, in New Orleans. And so um, OA in home of Louisiana was only seven months old when I, I came in over 45 years ago. So not many of us knew what was going on, but we hung in there with each other and uh, we uh, kept paying attention to what was coming out of Los Angeles, California, because that's where Overeaters Anonymous originated. Our um, dear, uh, faithful uh, founder, Roseanne, is where she lived and everything. So I know that I'm not cured of a compulsive overeater. I know that, but I do know what's wrong with me. And I do know what the solution is. And I do know how to go about uh, working the solution accepting the solution, uh, being in the solution. And um, this, this spiritual path leads to uh, transformation. 
It leads to enlightenment. It leads to a path of, of a spiritual awakening and beyond. Uh, it's a, a spiritual path to reality. It's a spiritual path to the great reality, which is deep down inside of me. And it's a spiritual path toward a new understanding of, of what life is all about and what my body and my disease and my mind is all about. This spiritual path has granted me all of the, these things. Um, it's also a spiritual path of deep awareness. It's a spiritual path of God consciousness. It's a spiritual uh, path to recovery on all levels. It's a spiritual path from the bondage of self and a spiritual path from selfishness and self-centeredness. And it's a spiritual path to live all of the spiritual principles of the 12 steps, the, the 12 concepts and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I wanna uh, thank uh, Cherie for the privilege of being here to be able to share my life of 84 years, um, my life of uh, 45 and a half years of OA recovery. I, uh, I was given my name by uh, Joe A from Houston and he's one of my biggest cheerleaders and biggest supporter. And so I just adore him. And also uh, Texas had a convention this weekend, so did New Jersey, and I heard that so did Region 1. So there's a lot of people are probably coming home from that or coming uh, uh, re-entering from that. Um, I was uh, 38 years old when I came in uh, to the program on that day, April the 4th of uh, 1978. Uh, I was born on a hot August 7th, 1939 night in the town of uh, Gonzales, Louisiana, in Cajun country, of Cajun, Cajun heritage, Cajun traditions. And uh, uh, I'm just always have been, I still am a fun loving Cajun barefoot girl. And that's, that's who I am. I was, uh, I um, was born and raised in this uh, small town community at that time, it became a town. It's really expanded now, but you know, we lived on a gravel road. We uh, were not that far from town. We could walk to town. It was, it was a simple way of life. And uh, I uh, came from uh, parents that had problems uh, with deaths of children and ended up having a divorce. And as a result of that, uh, it really has added to my abandonment issues and, and my insecurities. But, you know, uh, I know all about that today and I, I'm, that's not the way it is today for me, but that is my history. And I do have to go back and remember that from time to time. Um, today, as I shared, I live in uh, Homo, Louisiana. It's at the bottom of the boot. We call Louisiana the way it's shape a boot. and um, it's uh, it's a town, you know, by the, by the Gulf of Mexico, and so there's a lot of outdoors activity. There's a lot of fishing, hunting. Uh, there's a lot of um, you know, boat, uh, water sports, and all. And so that was so different from the way I was raised. And uh, 
my husband, uh, Jimmy and I have been married for uh, 68 years. And, and I'll go into a little bit of that story uh, as I uh, progress and everything and the changes that had to come about because uh, I uh, came into OA and uh, life changed, my behaviors changed, my eating pattern changed. I started uh, going away from home more uh, to do OA service and that didn't rest too good at times, you know, but I was able to do it and, and God continued uh, to protect me. And, and I'm just grateful for all the activities of service that I was able to uh, enjoy. Uh, also down here in South Louisiana is where the alligators were real big. I'm sure if y'all seen any of the, uh, the programs that y'all have seen some of that. But, um, you know, as I sit here uh, sharing with you people, I will describe it in my own language and with my own Cajun accent and with this Southern droil from my own point of view, the way these 12 steps and 12 traditions, my commitment to abstinence and this old way of life has led me to establish and discover my relationship with the God of my own understanding, the great reality deep inside of me. Uh, I did not know, uh, I knew church, I knew going to church and receiving the sacraments, I was raised Catholic, but I never knew what I know today because of what Overeaters Anonymous and these 12 steps teach me. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, this is a permanent establishment uh, that I am in OA and it has allowed me to settle into this position of trusting and relying upon this all-powerful God, this deep reality, which is deep down within me, uh, which is going, this is what's giving me the ability to be able to have this long-term recovery and this long-term commitment to abstinence. I, uh, I pray that, uh, all of you will be uh, listening with your hearts rather than just with your ears because what I share is very sacred here because everything is sacred as a result of these 12 steps and the love and the recovery in Overeaters Anonymous. I've realized through my work in this program that I could not go back and make a brand new start. My, my, my uh, life in Gonzales, the way I was raised, the way I was loved and not loved, um, the people that were in my life, none of that can change, none of it. But a day at a time, I can choose to be around the people and the situations that give me the greatest joy and the greatest happiness. And I found that a lot with the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous, which is, that is part of our solution. Our relationship with God is a huge part with the fellowship and the friendships and the support that we get with each other is also very important part of the, um, uh, these are statements that are true in my life. And I believe them. One of the statements, statements is that God never asked 
asks about our ability or our inability. He just asks for our availability. And that's what was asked of me uh, when I got that email uh, on Wednesday morning. Was I available to do this? And would I be able to do this? So um, here I am. I'm available and I'm sitting here in front of you. This is such a strange way to carry the message for me in these days. I mean, you know, uh, I'm, I'm used to being face to face. I mean, I've traveled this whole world almost carrying this message. And I'm a people person and I like people to be looking at me and, and smiling at me and, uh, you know, frowning at me or acting like they don't understand what I'm talking about. But this, this is a strange way to carry this message. But, you know, it's the way we have it nowadays. And that's what I have to go along with. Uh, and also a, a statement that uh, really means a lot to me in my life is that God never brings me to something he will not bring me through. And so uh, God has brought me through my uh, 84 years of life. He has brought me through my uh, 45 and a half years of OA recovery. He has brought me through... Uh, my marriage, my raising my our three children. We we have three grown children. I can't, can't believe it. They're all in their sixties. When I joined OA, they were all teenagers, people, and now they're six in their sixties. My oldest son is sixty-five. I cannot uh, fathom all of that. Uh, it's, it's such a strange thing to uh, know that uh, life has happened so quickly. Um, another statement that I. Uh, I, I believe in, and it's that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those that he calls. And, um, you know, I never, uh, I never dreamed that uh, when I went to that very first OA meeting here in Homo, Louisiana on a Tuesday afternoon at uh, one, I, I forget the time now, 3.30, I think it was 3.30 um, on a Tuesday that this is where I'd be sitting uh, 45 and a half years later. It's unreal. Um, and also that I know the will of God will never take me where the grace of God will not protect me. And that that's a big uh, plaque, a big picture that my daughter gave me uh, one year ago. And so I really do trust all of those statements because they are true in my life. Um, I know I've learned uh, through the years for myself and others that there's incredible power in the sharing of personal experiences um, because in Overeaters Anonymous, we don't share, we don't tell, we share, and we care. And it's the language of the heart that has no age. My language right here is not because I'm 84. It's because I came into Overeaters Anonymous that originated in 1960, and it knows no age. We have numbers on that, but it's, it is as fresh and as new today as it ever was. Um, and, and living and being in Overeaters Anonymous, it, this program, th this spiritual path has uh, renewed my mind. It, it has taught me things and to do and not to do, it has uh, gotten down to the very core of me, my, my soul, my very soul. That's where, because my mind lies to me. It pays tricks on me. 
it tells me things that are not true, but my soul knows what's true. And, and so my soul keeps trying to tell my mind, shut up, let the girl alone, you know, but uh, this disease will not let my mind alone. And that's why I have to keep talking to you people. I have to keep talking to my sponsor. I have to keep working my, my steps and I have to keep coming to meetings. Uh, but recovery uh, is a process that moves along a, a specific path. It's a path that, that this, this follows. You know, first, I have to be honest that I'm powerless over food. I have to move on to that second step and, and get that hope that it's asking me to have. And from there to go to the faith uh, that that third step is asking me to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood, stay in him. You know, my will is my thinking and my life is my actions. And, and that's the path. That's the path that moves me along to be able to have this spiritual awakening. Um, and uh, it's also a, a path to spiritual growth. It's a, the process, this process requires rigorous self-honesty. It does. Not just about my food, but also about the way I think, the way I act, the way I wish I was and wasn't. Uh, it's all that self-honesty that I have to start revealing myself uh, to my sponsors and then to some of you people. Uh, I, um, I will continue to uh, share how I have recovered from that seamlessly hopeless state of this mind and my body. I will continue uh, to share on that. Um, what I have recovered from is... Uh, the hopeless state of my mind and my body. I'm not cured, and I know that. Uh, this disease has not been cured, but because I have this proven workable solution, my illness is arrested. And as a result of my commitment, my, my decision and my actions, the symptom of, of my disease this disease of my body and my mind, my compulsive eating and my compulsive food behaviors, they are removed on a daily basis. And that's all, just a daily basis. So why do I share all of this? It's because it doesn't work if I don't. So I will just keep sharing. And when I'm get an email, I get a phone call to ask if I'm available. If I am available, I'll be Johnny on the spot or Janice on the spot right there. Um, because, you know, sharing all of this brings good health to me and life into me. And this, this health and this life flows out of me into you and into others. And as a result, my God, this deep, this great reality deep inside of me uses my spirit to flow where it is needed because this recovery is so rich. It is so rich. It is abounding and abundant with riches and sacred treasures, sacred souls and interesting people.
I have met the most interesting people um, in uh, Overeaters Anonymous, and I have friends all over the world, and I'm just grateful for, for that. I may never see them again in person, but you know, we do have a chance of seeing each other on Zoom, and that, that's a really, really good blessing at this time in our lives. It's all here. It's all here, this path. This path of the 12-step path has it all. It's all here. As long as I continue to follow this spiritual path with these clear-cut directions, I will be just fine. I will just be this fine. I, uh, I had a lot of joy as a young girl. I loved the outdoors in this country place in Gonzales, Louisiana, where I was born and raised. I liked school. I really liked school. I liked learning. And when I was uh, 11, 11 years old, in the fifth grade, I was able to join uh, the school band where I learned discipline. I learned uh, how to work with others and follow orders and practice. I learned all that at a very, very, very young age. And as a result of that, it wasn't hard for me to start learning how to follow the spiritual path. Um, marching and walking straight in uh, this band that I was in for all of those school years, it was great training. And I had this for seven years of my life in, in my most formative years. It was some of the greatest uh, years and times of my life. But food also nourished me at a very early age. Of course, you know, it was always the sweets, the fats, and the starches. It was always that. And one month uh, before I was uh, 11 years old, my period started. And that, that's very young for uh, to like go from a little girl to a grown-up lady. What's what, what I've told now, you're a grown-up lady. You know, that's just kind of confusing in this young mind of mine. But you know, uh, food nourished me at a very young age at that time. And 12 years old is when my weight went up and I started dieting. Now, being in the country and all we had was a radio, we didn't have a phone, we didn't have a car. I mean, how, what did I know about dieting? What, what, Where did that term come from in this mind, you know? But my poor self-image about 12 years old uh, started developing. And um, I was always a free spirit and I loved to run and jump and play in the yard. I loved to dance. And um, when I was uh, 14 and a half years old is when I met Jimmy, the man that I'm married to uh, for 67 years at that time. And uh, we got married at 17. And um, I, um, I, I met him at a dance. My aunt and my uncle was involved in uh, the music and uh, the arrangements of, of that uh, dance. It was a nightclub is really what it was at that time. And 
that's when they let kid they let kids get in nightclubs, you know. And uh, I'm not sure if that's what some of the ruination of uh, the youth or not, because they couldn't go to places like that, and they just snuck in and changed their ID and stuff like that, so they could get in uh, to nightclubs and all. But I. Uh, I was, as I said, I was raised Catholic and uh, Jimmy was not a Catholic. And uh, also um, I had one more year of, of school left before, uh, when we, before we, got, when we got married and I was able to move here to Homo, Homo, Louisiana. And I went to high school here in this town of Homo, a strange town, strange people. I never knew one person in this town uh, the only person I knew that when I moved here, when I was 17 years old, was my husband, Jimmy. So I think I had a lot of courage way back then to, to move on with what I believed that my life should have been. But as a result of that, <clears throat> you know, Catholic teachings really, really did affect me through my life. And one of the teachings was that uh, if you use birth control, you know, it's a sin and blah, blah. So you know, be, being that I wanted to uh, graduate, I, I sinned that way a lot, you know. So uh, also, I started taking diet pills uh, when I was 17. And I got my uh, first diet pills uh, from my mother-in-law, okay? I think she took one bottle and um, my diet pill uh, addiction uh, went on until I was 32 years old, okay? Okay. Uh, I, stepped, I stopped taking a diet pills after uh, 15 years of being on those diet pills. And um, that was six years before I, I came into OA. And so I lost and I gained weight in between those six years of coming to OA. But uh, as I shared before, I had really fun times as a young girl, you know, uh, the band. But, you know, I ate a lot of uh, creating, craving creative foods. I ate a lot of uh, sweets and chocolates and starches and fats and all. And, you know, after I got married and had my babies, I even ate my baby's baby food, you know. And naturally, I would buy them the food that would be uh, the sweetest, you know. But, uh, you know, loneliness is a characteristic and a feeling of a lost child. And, you know, I did that uh, that childhood thing and all, and I fell into the lost child. Uh, place and all, but uh, Jimmy is uh, seven years older than me, and I went to high school here in Homa, and uh, I, uh, I, uh, I did not end my education though after I graduated. I, I didn't. I I did not go to school, but I continued to be a seeker and a learner, and I am in love with learning. Learning is such a blessing in my life. And as I learn, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed to have a clear mind. I'm so blessed to have a mind that can learn. I can figure things out. I am so blessed uh, with this mind, this uh, happiness that I get from the words, from words and uh, trying to figure out uh, questions and answers and um I um I um on April the 4th of 1978 it was a Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock it was my first OA meeting and on April the 9th 
of that year, my oldest son turned 20. And on April the 8th, I made his birthday cake, which was only four days of abstaining. I did not lick my fingers, nor eat the cake batter, nor the icing out of the mixing bowl. It's a habit that I always did. It's what I did throughout my life. My cravings were not there. In four days, I did not have cravings for sugar or starches or compulsively overeating. That's how quick abstinence took hold of me. Uh, nor did I take the first bite, lick or bite, nor did I eat the cake. I did not. Uh, I did not know that uh, that day on April the 4th of 1978 when I walked into that room where no a meeting was happening. Not knowing that I was walking into an amazing way of life. There's no way that I could uh, figure that out. That the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous was being read in how it works. Even though it was called an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. Strange. I had never heard of Alcoholics Anonymous, never heard of the 12 steps. The sacredness of this 12 step recovery program is what I heard that day. And that day was a huge turning point in my life. I was 38 years old. I had these three teenagers. I had been married for tw 21 years. I had been off of diet pills for six years. I enjoyed that only meeting. Only meetings are not to express outside issues. I love that. Only OA 12 steps, 12 traditions, and 12 concepts of OA service and the non-tools are discussed at Overeaters Anonymous. I uh, just love that I don't have to listen to all the outside issues when I'm at an OA meeting. When I came into OA 45 and a half years ago, OA had uh, six tools. Uh, abstinence was a tool at that time in the OA fellowship. So for 17 years of my recovery, I worked the tool of abstinence. But today, uh, you know, uh, abstinence was removed as a tool in 1995 and a, a new tool was replaced it called a plan of eating. And we've had uh, four different tools added since I came into OA. We now have nine tools. I, um, I've learned that uh, I have been taught that there are 12, that these 12 steps are necessary for me to maintain my abstinence. And not only do I need God, I need all of you as well. I need all of you as well. 
that I am placed in this position of this neutrality, safe and protected. And this neutrality that I'm placed in, it means that I don't participate in so many of the things that I used to participate in, compulsive overeating, um, going to places that serve so much food and me indulging in it. I just don't participate in that anymore. And I, um, I know that, um, you know, I've read, I've read, I've read a lot of the AA literature, naturally the big book, the AA 12 or 12, I mean, because that's what I had for so long in OA, but I just adore the Overeaters Anonymous literature, but I did read this in uh, the AA 12 or 12, and it says that when it was discovered that when one alcoholic had planted in the mind of another the true nature of his malady, that person could never be the same again. And, and that's how it is with me. That's how it is with me. I've never been the same again since that day, uh, that Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock when I walked into my very uh, first OA meeting. I caught the vision. I caught the vision right away. And I began to use the tool of abstinence and the other five tools that were offered me that very afternoon. I bought a packet that costs a dollar and 25 cents. I came home and I start reading that. And I start, one of the, one of the uh, pamphlets was before you take that compulsive bite. Another one was the tools. Another one was a commitment to abstinence. And on each one of these pamphlets, they had the 12 steps and the 12 traditions on there. And I would read through those and I think, Oh my goodness, this must really be important because it's on every piece of literature. And now, still, after all of these years, it, they're on every piece of our literature because that's how important they are. But that, that afternoon, when I got home, I began weighing and measuring uh, my meal. At that time, all I had was a little postal scale that I weighed my meat on. And I used uh, my measuring cups to measure my vegetables and my salad. And I began abstaining from sugars and, and starches. And the craving left me at once. A miracle. Just such a miracle. It, it just left me. And so, you know, I often what, wonder, what is the meaning of abstinence? You know, what is the practice or the fact of refraining oneself from indulging in something? It's for me not to indulge in compulsive overeating. And abstinence can help me focus on the things in life that are really important to me. Abstinence is a spiritual discipline. That's what it is. Because I'm on this, I'm following this spiritual path, I have learned to be more disciplined in all areas of my life. And it begins with my food. I have to be disciplined in my food. And I ask myself, what, what is the meaning of abstinence? To me, abstinence means everything to me. It means health and it means well-being. It means sanity around food. It means my deeper relationship with the God of my understanding. It means my deep need 
for fellowship with all of you. That's what it really means. My deep need of fellowship for all of you. Because abstinence, I am taught that without abstinence, I'm suffering from a, an addiction of eating those sugars and those starches. Um, I've learned that addiction is a disease and it's an illness and it's a malignant condition I've been taught. Something that is very harmful because addiction is a chronic, primary, biological predisposition of the main brain, the main brain. And I'm so grateful that our third edition of our Overeaters Anonymous books described that to us in Dr. Martin Lerner's article in the front, in the forward to that book. It is telling us what's wrong with us in written word from the medical, from the American Medical Association. Okay, it is a chronic progressive brain illness. And unless I treat the illness, it will get worse because this illness disconnects me from God, it disconnects me from myself, and it disconnects me from others because I, uh, my disease took me to a lot of isolation, a lot of not wanting to answer the door, a lot of not wanting to uh, go anywhere. And I mean, you know, I was raising teenagers. That's not a happy, healthy place to be in. Um, I uh, also have learned that the, the chronic illness, uh, that repetition is the only way to create this permanent recovery. So every day, repetition, do the same thing, wake up, eat my breakfast. I eat three meals a day, nothing in between. That's what I learned. That's what works for me. Uh, still weigh and measure most of my food. Permanent recovery is what I'm seeking. And as long as, uh, as long as I am practicing any addiction, my mind is altered. And I know that. Uh, I never drank coffee uh, until I came into OA because uh, that was something I did, uh, I began doing and I did for nine years uh, in recovery. And after nine years, I thought this is such a terrible addiction. And so I was able to get off of uh, coffee, caffeine. Uh, also, I was uh, drank a lot of tabs. If oh, y'all are old enough to remember that beverage, I drank bottles and bottles and bottles of that. And my children used to say that I used to get high when I was drinking that. Naturally, it had that caffeine in it. It had that artificial sweetener in it. I mean, you know, it affected my brain. It affected me. And even my kids knew that when I drank that, I was different. Okay. Well, uh, nine years, I was able to, to quit that. And uh, I'm just so grateful for that. Um, I just, uh, it's very important that I abstain from foods and food behaviors that hide hijack this rational part of my, my brain. Um, it is not just abstaining from compulsive overeating. It is, it is abstaining from food that I am sensitive to, these man-made sugars and starches made or produced by human 
effort rather than by natural forces that create cravings for more of the same. Don't get me wrong, people. These people that are selling all of this stuff, that's what they want to want it to do to us. They want it to make us want more because that's the bottom line is the dollar sign, okay? But I, I'm glad that uh, I have learned better today because I am a very carbohydrate sensitive person. I am not cured of my body being sensitive to these man-made sugars and starches because these foods cannot be eaten by me without creating a craving for more of the same and gaining weight. When I don't eat them, I don't crave them. When I don't eat them, I don't crave them. So these foods need to stay out of my plan of eating, my abstinence, just like the alcoholic has to stay out of the, uh, the alcoholic's body. Also, I would like to share that I'm not an alcoholic. I never drank alcohol that much. But when I was in the program about 11 months, uh, I had drank alcohol a few times, uh, I think two or three times in that 11 month. But that 11 month, I went, I went to a wedding and I did drink alcohol. And evidently that craving set in or something because I had more than I had said I was going to have and I got drunk. And... Um, that day I came home and I said, this is the last time I'm drinking alcohol. And so that uh, desire for even having it at a party or a wedding or whatever, that desire was uh, taken away from me right then because I knew that that was altering, that was altering my, uh, my mind. Because what I have understand, understood is that weight is simply the symptom of the disease because it's really an addictive relationship with food. It's an addictive relationship with dieting, diet pills, getting diet pills, driving to uh, the area in New Orleans every two weeks to get diet pills and shots. I did that for eight years. I spent a lot of money. I spent a lot of money that could have been used in other ways with my family, and I didn't. And I have... Uh, felt guilt about that. And um, I know that, you know, those, there was really two or three doc, diet doctors, even my medical doctor, uh, they were telling me, Janice, you are eating too many carbs. They were telling me that way back before Overeaters Anonymous, but I, I didn't understand that. I did not understand what those doctors were trying to tell me way back before Overeaters Anonymous when I was in my 30s. If I could have only listened, if I could have only, if, if only, if only, I can really do that to myself a lot. But you know, those if onlys have to be quiet because they, I cannot do anything about it. Right now, I know that my body cannot accept, my body accepts carbohydrates, particularly white flour and many other grains and starches as sugar. My body accepts that in my body. And it's what those doctors before OA was telling me. And now there's doctors in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous that are telling me the same thing. And um, 
I'm grateful that over 45 years ago, I began listening to that, you know, because, uh, you know, a lot of new ideas were are coming toward me about that this was an illness and that uh, all of this information would come to be so important in my life. And it would remind me of all those years ago when those doctors were telling me the same thing. And I was uh, taught about the, uh, the insidious insanity of compulsive eating and compulsive overeating, compulsive food behaviors, compulsive um, restricting. I mean, you know, this disease comes in all forms. It's not just overeating, it's undereating, it's restricting, it's uh, all, all of this behavior that comes, comes with this. And uh, we all have to learn to be honest. And I also learned about my instincts. And um, I was taught that I needed what I needed to do next. I, I kept learning what I needed to do next. And as I learned how to work these 12 steps, uh, the 12 steps uh, address the deep emotional problems that are the source of my addiction in the first place. These 12 steps taught me how to take my inventory, how to go back, how to go back into my life. And the more inspiration I receive, the deeper my awareness of the problem that I have uh, and what happened to me and uh, that it's nobody's fault, it's just what happened. Um, and when I uh, came first came to OA, I walked away with abstinent because I was excited that I had found this uh, wet thing that began to allow me to lose weight. I was excited with the foods I was eating. I was excited about losing weight, and and I, I did lose weight. I lost six. I lost twelve pounds the very first month that I came into OA. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Could not believe it. Uh, and in, and, and in two and six weeks, six weeks to two months, I had lost five more pounds. I lost 17 pounds in two months. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Okay, uh, can't do it nowadays, okay? But uh, I did it back then. And that's what was it. That's what uh, sold me on uh, OA because I did come to lose weight. And so six weeks uh, into OA, I was asked uh, to become a secretary of a brand new OA group in Homa. Uh, I was reading and I was writing and I was using the tools and I was working the steps as much as I knew how. I was giving service in Homa. I was going to meetings. I was going to two or three meetings a week in Homa. I was losing weight. I was going out of town to workshops and other in People in recovery were coming into my life and I continue listening uh, to how other people work and understood the steps. And the one day at a time turned into months and then into years. And now I'm sitting here before you people and it's 44, 45 and a half years. I'm still doing OA service. I'm still uh, abstaining. And during, during this time, I'm talking way back when, it was easy to me to hide from my feelings by submerging myself in the excitement of this losing weight, this new clothes, this OA service, this going out of town, 
just being involved. And what I learned was that it is not the traumas that we suffer in childhood which make us emotionally ill, but the inability to express the trauma. And that was my biggest problem. I had nobody that I could trust, that I could share about how I felt as a child. And I didn't know I felt those things until I came into OA and got abstinent and my brain started clearing up. Because uh, curiosity and wonder are at the heart of learning. I was a very curious, inquisitive child. And my mother, my mother, did um tried to hush me with that she didn't just try she did hush me about it uh, i wanted to talk to her and she wanted to read and she wanted to sew and i could understand she used to sew my clothes and she dressed me really cute and she was a good seamstress at all and and as i got older i realized that when you're sewing you don't need a pesky kid uh asking you all kind of questions but that meant that you know, I needed to go on and play. You bother me. You know, you ask too many questions. And what I what I realized that that wonder, that curiosity in, in myself when I was a young child was not um, encouraged. And in uh, Overeaters Anonymous, I'm so encouraged uh, to continue to do that. And I do it because I don't, I don't just study the... Uh, Overeaters Anonymous and the Alcoholics Anonymous literature. I study a lot of other spiritual literature and I take courses online uh, about it at all. And it's just really, really, um, really, really helping me. And uh, I'm grateful for that uh, because, you know, um, grandiosity is about the false sense of super responsibility and denied uniqueness. uniqueness. And, and that described me, that described me I was always taking care of other people, never really taking care of myself. And I developed that false sense of super responsibility. I had to overcome that. I had to uh, know that uh, I wasn't responsible to take care of everybody else's feelings and thoughts. And uh, I gave up, I gave up my own reality uh, in, in life. And my husband, you know, I never knew how it was to have an argument or to have somebody get so mad at me because uh, my mom and my daddy were divorced. I never saw that happening in, in my home and in my life. And, you know, my husband had a temper and he wasn't mean or anything, but when he would uh, get angry and all, I, I just didn't know what to do with that. I, I was just manipulated uh, by uh, that. And that was not a, a good place uh, for me to be. Another thing that happened uh, to me uh, in my life was, uh, when I was two and a half years old, I had a sister that was uh, two and a half years older than me. She was almost five and she got sick with uh, pneumonia and she died. And so at uh, two and a half years old, here I was, this little girl, this little girl that lost her playmate, lost her playmate. My, my daddy was not there. He the, the, My mom and my daddy were already separated. Uh, he was living with another woman, and there was my mama in this terrible grief. And here was this little girl. It makes you cry today because sometimes I don't think I've ever really gotten in touch with that little girl. But it's at times at this that I share it that I do. But it, the truth was that the hurt 
and the confusion of my life were just getting greater and greater and that I could not endure them any longer. And I had to face them. And I was, I was able to face them uh, through the work in OA and through the fellowship and that I could uh, no longer endure that. Uh, so in my fourth year of abstinence and recovered living, recovered living, I gained enough strength and courage to go back and sort out what had happened in my life. And it was because of a loving God, the caring and support of the caring. When I saw that heart up there, it's what makes me cry because oh, he loves you so loves me so much. Um, okay. I get let's see. It was because of a loving God and the caring and support of the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous, of which I was so much a part of at that time, I was able to get down to my very soul. I knew at that time that God would always protect and care for me. I knew he was my director. And this is when I truly had my vital spiritual awakening. I was in the program a little bit less than five years. Uh, abstinence and recovery is the utmost important in my life because uh, abstinence is an action. And I had to start believing that these 12 steps were teaching me. And I learned to live in the sacredness of abstinence and recovery. And I began being true to my commitment to abstinence. I have to be true to that daily. I've learned that it is an inside job to continue to be abstinent a day at a time. More and more, I began to understand the grave nature of this threefold disease and that I can't, I cannot recover from this threefold disease in isolation. And that I need all of you. I need my fellowship as well as my loving God. And if I'm not honest about my emotions, I'm headed for trouble. About my abstinence, God is everything or he is nothing. God is or he isn't. Change and more change. Changing my thoughts, my behaviors, and my thought life had to change. This path of transformation allowed all of that change. I'm here today sharing my experiences of my early years and my years in recovery up until today, one day at a time. My deep and effective spiritual experience is what holds me steady. The whole purpose of the steps is to become consciously aware of God's presence in my life 
And it begins with step one. Admitting my powerlessness over food, that's God's starting place in my life. Until I admit I'm powerless over food, real power will not be recognized, it will not be accepted or even sought. And so I'll have to just continue with this because words and meaning of words heal me. My understanding of words help heal me. Words from the AA Big Book, the AA 12 and 12, they began to save me. And the Overeaters Anonymous first edition came out in November of 1980. OA was 20 years old. And I had been in OA about uh, two, two, two and a half years. A book of just the OA 12 steps came out in 1990. And three years, three years later, our, our first OA 12 and 12 came out in 1993. And in 2008, our second edition came out. I'm just so grateful. And you know, I, I, uh, I, I've been a trustee many years of Overeaters Anonymous, and uh, later I'll probably get into all of that. But you know, I was so involved in all of this literature process and everything, and and reading these stories and saying yay or nay to some of the stories. And what we were really looking for was uh, traditions violations and outside of uh, you know outside information and stuff. That's what we were really looking for. We wasn't trying to change the person's story or anything. Um, but you know, uh, I, worked, I walked away uh, from OA and started learning that I could have this recovered life because that's what the alcoholics teach. They teach that they recovered from that hopeless state of mind and body. And um, you know, um, recovered is in the first 164 pages of the big book 17 times. You know, and this this is a lot of the things that I have recovered from, I'll share. I've recovered my life. My recovered life is a gift from God. And I have recovered from eating sugar and chocolate. And I have recovered from the desire of taking diet pills. And my self-image and my self-worth have been restored. My healthy self-esteem and my healthy pride has been restored. I am a, a compulsive overeater. And I know that I have been saved by God's grace. I know that. And I have uh, recovered this inner resource of my life. I've been able to tap that inner resource that my own conception of a power greater than myself and on other human beings. I have recovered my confidence in myself because my OA fellowship had confidence in me. And what I have and am being taught a day at a time is about living this simple recovered life because simplicity is my spread my special my precious life every day simplicity 
I think I'll stop there. It's probably almost time for the tape, I believe, is it? And yeah, we'll any, take, any what, how much? For you, uh, any time that works for you. I'll stop now. Okay. And if anybody would like to share a comment on this first session, we can use this time for that before we take the break. How much longer before the tape runs out? Uh, it's a recording that's online, so we can Doesn't go matter. longer. No problem. No, it's all I thought good. we had to stop at an hour and oh, 15 yeah. minutes. We do. We do generally take a break, and we do have to stop it at some point during the middle of the meeting, but there's no absolute time. Well, uh, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll open it for sharing right now, and then we'll uh, close. We'll stop for a break. Okay? Absolutely. Anybody Come want on, to? I know y'all must have got something from it. Okay, well, I'll go. Hi, friends. I'm a compulsive reader and play Magna Sherry. Um, hi, Janice. Wow. Uh, how inspiring uh, are you? <laughs> um, so much. I, I, I've been in for a very long time, and um, and it's really it's really easy to get complacent sometimes, and um, just kind of have things be sort of mediocre. Um, in terms of uh, the amount of work that I put in um, and the amount of, uh, and you know, cause life happens and, and life can, life, life is hard a lot of times. It's, it's uh, life is also beautiful a lot of times, but life is really hard a lot of times. And it's easy in those moments, especially when you've been away for a while to, or around for a while to be like, uh, you know, I can let meetings go for a little bit or, um, you know, I don't have to reach out. I don't have to. Um, do the things that have, have kept me here. Your enthusiasm and your love for this program has just uh, really inspired me. And uh, I'm so glad that you came to share with us. And um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll have more to say later, but I will we'll pass at that. And if anybody else wants to share and raise their hand, you're welcome to do so. Go ahead, Diane. Um, Janice, it's been so beautiful. I'm just so glad I came. You moved me to tears. Um, so long story short, I basically went to OA in my 30s. And then um, I'm anorexic bulimic. There weren't a lot of people like me then. Not a lot of abstinence in the group I went to. So I left and spent the next 53 years doing other things, um, seeking spiritually all the time, never not trying. So I did build some foundation there. But anyway, this what I want to talk about is my soul knows the truth and not my mind. And I think that um, that's something that can happen to us and slip up onto us without us even knowing that we are letting somebody else be our truth or letting somebody else tell us our truth instead of listening. Um, and I just... I've written down two pages of things that you've said, and um, I'm 73, so a little bit younger than you, but I feel like um, it's never too late. And because, so about, let me see, right after Easter, I stopped drinking, which was, I wasn't like, okay, I was just a steady drinker all my life. That's the way I was raised. That's the way we were. And when I stopped drinking, then God just took that away from me immediately my eating disorder just went crazy. And and so what God was doing was using that, my drinking, and stopping it to send me to OA. 
so that I could have a new experience. And my third step was my catastrophic spiritual experience. And I am so glad that OA is a U-turn because I never intend to leave. And I, I, it just brings me so much joy and it's never too late. It's never too late. And I think, you know, those words that I never believed that we will not regret the past or turn our back on it. It's true. It's true. This is my time. I don't think about the, the, the years that have been passed without being here because I'm here now and um, you're being here. Oh, what an afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Diane. Okay. Um, Ms. Wendy, go ahead. Hiya, friends. I am a compulsive overeater. My name's Wendy, and I'm here by the grace of God. Hello. Janice, hiya. Um, and I want to tell you how very grateful I am. And just even on behalf of OA, being an OA member who's also been in a long time, but not as long as you, um, the reminder that I stand on the shoulders of giants and that the people who've come in, and especially the longer I'm in, how crucial it is to recognize people who stay in and who stay vital in Overeaters Anonymous as in, and involved as you clearly do. Your love of the program is visceral. I can get it. It's like I'm in Louisiana. I can get it from you. Uh, I can feel it from you. And I also want to thank you for a line. Excuse me if I'm misquoting you. You said something like, um, God doesn't call the qualified. He call a, qualifies the called. That's beautiful. You know what that reminds me of? You know the pamphlet, If God Spoke to OA? Mm -hmm. It's an old pamphlet. Wow. And, it, and it, yeah, and it talks about, um, you know, you're not chosen to carry the message because you have great qualifications. It says you were chosen because you have an understanding heart. Because you know the pain of what it's like to be a compulsive overeater. So God bless you for, for having an understanding heart and for continuing to bless OA. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Andy. Does anybody else want to jump in before we have a break? Yeah, we could take a break now. Sure. Let's take what a break. going to come back? Uh, well, it's 2.18 here, so it's 18 after the hour. Why don't we come back at 25 after the hour? Okay. I'll see y'all then. See you then. Sorry. Before I do that, let's allow for videos to be enabled. If you would like to enable your video... Oh. Sorry, I cut my own off. Um, if you would like to enable your video, I'm just going to allow for that right now. Um, and I hope under uh, people understand why we don't allow video on once you've entered until you're here for a little bit. And apologies if you hear a dog bark. Let me know. Okay, so it is enabled right now. Hi, Heidi. Welcome. Nice to see you. And Sema, Sema, apologies, JM. I think you'll want to keep yours off. Uh, and then um, when I'll just leave it off for just a, since we, I feel like we're all a safe bunch. 
Um, and so I will, and Heidi, just so you know, um, you're welcome to keep your video off, but if you turn it off, we will end up disabling the ability to turn the video on, off, and on, sorry, just for, um, well, you know what, how about I'll just keep this option open until we have somebody else who wants to join. And if somebody else wants to join, uh, then I will uh, disable the option just to keep us all safe. Okay, friends, so the seven tradition, uh, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. Should we happen to receive contributions in excess of our expenses, they will be sent directly to the World Service Office. Uh, contributions can be made by PayPal to our email address, which is info at oarise.org, or you can visit our website at oarise.org and click the Contribute Now button on the home screen. Suggested donation of $3 allows us to cover the cost of the Zoom subscription, and it also helps us to maintain the OA Rise website, where we upload and store the recordings for you. Uh, and all OA members, your seven tradition contributions are needed to keep the OA Rise speaker meetings going. Um, and then I will just show you really quickly, it's a very simple process if you would like to do it. I am going to screen share. So all you do is come here to the OARISE website and then you click on it and right there on the home screen is the contribute button. Also, I'll point out that if you uh, scroll down here, here's our little blurb asking for volunteers. If anybody wants to volunteer, we would definitely love to have you. Um, and then down here is recordings available. So if you want to listen to any of the podcasts, we have uh, right now roughly 18,000 listens to the podcast. So it's great that we uh, continue doing this service for people who can't be here. But right now, all you'd have to do is just click on access the podcast. Okay, and that is oarise.org. So um, thank you everyone for contributing. If you're able to, uh, this is the time uh, where I hand it back to Janice and Janice, you'll let me know how you wanna continue with things. I just realized you're still uh, spotlighted. Sorry, we only have a couple volunteers here today. So uh, apologies if nobody actually could see me saying any of this, but Janice is still spotlighted. So I'm throwing it back to you, Janice, and you tell me, tell us how we can help you if uh, you wanted to um, do any any uh, questions and answers or however you want to run things. All up to you. I hand it over. All right. <laughs> you know how we like to be in charge. Oh, well, I'm no different, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of... Uh, weird uh, in this situation here to be in charge. Uh, how much more time do we have? The meeting goes until uh, 3.30, so your time. So we have about an hour? About an hour, but it, it's up to you. You know, we, we're- All right, but at least an hour. Yes, yes. I've got a lot to say, girl. Oh, great, bring it. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see here. Janice, a compulsive overeater. Um, a member of the International Fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous in good standing. I'm uh, joined the ranks of all of those who have recovered, and I'm grateful to stand there with them. Um, I had a nice little break, but my mind started racing about, oh, I need to tell them this, I need to tell them that, and I will tell you, you know, um, life did not stop just because I came into Overeaters Anonymous, okay? Um, Many, many, many things happened. Uh, these three uh, children, you know, continued to graduate from high school, got jobs, got married, 
Um, the oldest boy uh, got a divorce after seven years. Uh, my uh, Jimmy had to take an early retirement from the oil field uh, November the 1st of 1978. He wasn't but 56 years old. I mean, that that really uh, took a, a, a lot of financial insecurity or worries so much for me. But you know what? We got better. We traveled more than we would have ever traveled if he was still working because I was doing away service and, and I was able to go to so many places and um, a lot of the places in uh, Region 8, which I, I belong to Region 8, uh, we could drive to the uh, regional assemblies and, and the conventions and he would drive. And so we had a lot of uh, vacations that way and a lot of traveling and, and that was a great thing. But money-wise, it was kind of scary, but you know, he um, also is a, a gifted taxidermist and uh, we have a, a, a shop in our backyard that he did that since he was 16 years old until he was 85. J today, Jimmy is 91 and, you know, he's uh, diminished a lot. Uh, he does have, um, he, he does have uh, vascular uh, dementia some. And so, you know, his activities have changed and, and life has changed around here. And I'm just try, trying to be in joy with acceptance of what, the way our life is today. And uh, I'm not always good at it, girls and guys. I'm just telling you, I'm not good at it. But, you know, I continue to, to work at it and I continue to take it a day at a time. And, and the people that I uh, work with and, and talk to and all, they, they really give me a lot, a lot of support. But he, does, he has glaucoma and uh, he's having to, uh, you know, go to the eye doctor a lot and I'm having to administer his drops in his eyes and it's just a caretaker and I, I just uh, don't like it sometimes, you know, but I love him. I've loved him for years and, and we've had a really good marriage and we have three children and we have six grandchildren and we have eight grand, great grandchildren and I mean, we have a, a, a sweet little life right here and all. It just has changed so much. But what has not changed is my uh, dependence on God and my need for all of you and OA. And that's what I'm so grateful for. And that, that same year on October uh, the 1st of 1989, my daddy, who I never was daddy, if that's the word, I never was daddy. Okay. And that, that's a big loss in, in my life because I never had that. And so when I've when I have seen uh, my husband, daddy, his daughter, our daughter is beautiful, and watch my son, daddy, his daughter is amazing. And I, every once in a while, when I see that, I get this emptiness inside about me. Okay, well, this guy that fathered me, his sperm was used to create me. Never daddied me. He committed suicide. Um, when he was 80 years old in October the 2nd of 1989. And um, a few uh, months after that, found out that uh, we had been disinherited, okay? And so had to go through, to, through all of that with uh, my three brothers. Uh, it was a very painful time at that time. And so, you know, I've, I've been through a lot. I have been through a lot, but I've always been close to my fellowship. I've always been close to God. I've always, I've always had the support. And the day that my daddy committed suicide, it was on a Monday, Monday, and Monday night, I was at my old readers anonymous meeting getting support. Um, my husband drove me to that meeting and also, even though 
even though I had never been daddy, so to speak, it was very painful to know that, you know, uh, the, a man that brought, helped bring you to this world took his own life. So I've suffered that, okay? My mother, <clears throat> my mother had uh, severe diabetes and heart trouble, and uh, she suffered for uh, 20 or 25 years with that. She died at uh, 84, and I'm 84 now, and I'm so healthy, and I don't have diabetes, and I don't have heart trouble, and I am abstinent, and I'm not eating all that junk that contributes to that kind of uh, diseases, and I know that. And so I have been stepping away from those diseases ever since I came into OA. And when I started reading what uh, those appendices in the in 1980, those uh, doctors and priests and not priests, but religious people wrote in our appendices. And if you haven't ever read it, or if you haven't read it in a long time, please read it and bring it to the group. It's so valuable. But when, they when that doctors told us how, how many diseases that compulsive overeating causes and heart trouble and diabetes is one of them. And girls I, and guys, I want to walk out of here with both of my legs and my, both of my feet. I really do. So, so grateful uh, for this uh, information. Oh, I forgot to turn my camera on. <laughs> if I go, oh, I'm just too excited about all the things I, I want to share here, okay? But anyway, my mother suffered a lot with uh, diabetes and everything. And uh, I just really hated to see her. One, 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 year, one year, she spent three months in the hospital with an uh, abscess on her back that they couldn't heal it at all, you know? So... I mean, diabetes is a serious, serious disease. It, it really is. And, and I'm grateful that uh, so far I haven't. And Jimmy's mama, Jimmy's mama, uh, she had diabetes and heart trouble. And his daddy died with a heart attack at, at 53 years old. And here's Jimmy, 91, and he doesn't even take high blood pressure medicine. Go figure. I mean, you know, he doesn't have diabetes. And I contribute that to me being an OA and having him... Uh, you know, eat basically the way I eat. Although he does, he's more starch. He eats starches, not, not like me. But anyway, uh, he uh, when I was in the program 23 uh, years is when he decided to get off a of coffee and he decided to, uh, one of his, his doctors, his prostate doctor, uh, told him that sugar wasn't good for him. And guess what? He came home and said he decided he didn't want to eat all that sugar at all. So we don't have nothing in our house. My daughter... Uh, came one time to stay with her daddy and uh, she said I woke up that morning and I couldn't find nothing sweet in that house I had to go to my brother's house to get me something uh, sweet and get me some coffee with sugar in it I don't make coffee we don't have sweets in this house but I do make cakes for their birthday I do I make them a birthday cake every year and still the same as that First time over 45 years ago, I don't lick my finger. I don't eat the batter. I don't eat the, I don't take, da, 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 da. You know, the same story, same story. It's not boring. It's the truth. So anyway, uh, there's many, many uh, situations that have happened that takes a lot out of you. And uh, also, uh, I've had three sponsors that have died. And that's been very uh, painful for me also. My... Uh, one one sponsor she sponsored me 11 years uh and uh she died and then uh, another sponsor sponsored me for five years and she got cancer she died and uh then i had this sponsor sponsored me for 15 years people and she got a brain tumor and she died okay 
And now the sponsor that I have, I've been knowing her for over 30 years, but she's been sponsoring me for about three years. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm just grateful, but uh, it's hard to lose uh, people. And uh, also a lot of my dear friends are dying and, and I, I really grieve that. I grieve it a lot. But, uh, you know, why I keep coming uh, back to, uh, to OA is because all of this recovery brings life into me and it brings it out of me. And uh, why, is, why I share all of this is because if I don't share it, it won't work. And it doesn't work for me. And it has worked for me for over 45 years because abstinence is a lifetime lifestyle for me. Recovery is a lifetime lifestyle. It is very viable in my life. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of times that uh, there's only one key, and it's called willingness. Um, I was so pleased to have this invitation uh, to share today and that I could uh, pick the topic and go along with it. But, you know, I I come here with a lot of passion and a lot of hope. Also, with all my weaknesses, which I'm willing uh, to share, um, I come to you, I come to you um, from a sacred place and a sacred space. From my own uh, sacred soul is where I'm coming for you from. Because the core of my recovery is simple and personal. And, and this tremendous uh, work I do and have done has been vital to my life of living this life of recovery. I've also learned, you know, that action is the magic word of the 12-step recovery. Because with action brings magnificent spiritual results. And the 12 steps, and by the 12 steps, I have recovered. And by the OA 12 traditions, I'm unified with all of you. And through always service, I have been able to carry the message on all 10 regions of OA on four continents, North America, South America, Africa, and Australia, as well as New Zealand. And I spent uh, 12 hours in Europe as we changed planes in Holland on our way to South Africa. Can you believe this? This little barefoot country girl doing all that traveling. But that's what really happened. That's what happened to me because of OA and because of my willingness and because of the service that I've been able uh, to do. Um, you know, my, my love affair with OA began immediately because I just was so happy that I wasn't hungry and I wasn't eating all that sugar and chocolate and that uh, I wasn't uh, craving food. Uh, but, uh, you know, our program is so clean. It's so pure. We need to keep it that way. 
because OA works in my heart. And it's the heartbeat of OA that's going to continue uh, to, uh, carry, to be able to be carried. Uh, because, you know, my past life is just the way it was. It, it, and I assure you, I no longer have to live that way. I no longer have to dwell on, on the past. I, I do not have to regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. But when I can share it like I'm doing today, you know, that that's that's what it's all about. I don't have to shut the door on it all the time, nor do I have to um, um, regret it, you know, because it made me who I am. Because I am that fun little girl. I am that little barefoot girl running in the grass, running after, we call them... Um, we call them mosquito hawks. Y'all call them dragonflies. You know, I used to chase those little buggers and put a string on them and, and run after them and play with them. I mean, I used to uh, put a, a fireflies in a jar and, and watch the lights. I used to I used to uh, play with the lizards on my front porch. And, you know, they have that red thing in their throat that they come up and down. And I used to, we used to tell them, uh, show us your money, show us your money. And they would, they would uh, that flop that little red pig and oh we just knew they were listening to us and they were doing what we were asking them to do you know it's things like this this sweet little country living that that I had and and uh, I'm grateful for that because that, that that's what really really grounded me I, I was grounded uh, in, in in that way of life and all the other things of not being dadded or them getting a divorce or my sister dying and everything it. It probably affected me psychologically, but my, in my soul, that's not what I was and what I am. And OA has allowed me to be able to uh, to come out of all of that. But, um, you know, the uh, basic concept of OA is that uh, I, I will know a new freedom and a new happiness, and I'm not going to wish to shut the door on it. And, you know, I had never flown in an airplane, okay, until... July of 1985, I'd never flown in an airplane. And I was in recovery seven years and three months when I flew to Augusta, Georgia. That is where I attended Region 8, Recovery Convention and Business Assembly. And I went there as an alternate regional representative. I did not have a clue what all that was about. I did not. Um, it was an amazing adventure for this, uh, well, I was in my 40s by that time, okay? Seven years from seven, eight, 43, I think I was. But anyway, that's when I started leave, leaving home and everything. That didn't sit too well <laughs> with my husband, you know, because he didn't know where I was going and what I was doing and when I was coming back or if I was even coming back, you know? But anyway, we went through all of that stress of, uh, me, me needing to do this OA service. And uh, finally, finally, I think I was in the program about eight years when uh, he finally started understanding what this was all about and how much I needed it and how much God was using me and how much that he needed to support that. And so, you know, it's been, e it's been easy or since then. And uh, I, uh, I was really uh, 46 when uh, I went to uh, Georgia. And I had been in recovery for seven months and uh, seven years and three months. But you know, the excitement of recovery is that it goes on forever. 
it really it's exciting for me to be sitting here in my office my study and talking to you people i mean i didn't think i would enjoy this zoom and you know i had to when i uh when I first got into OA and I started doing all this service work, I couldn't even remember how to type people. I couldn't even type. And, and at night in my sleep, I was trying to, I had one year of typing. I was trying to remember the keys and everything. And my daughter helped me so much. When I would run for other, when I would run for the positions in OA and everything, she would type my resumes and everything. <laughs> and I'd cook for her. <laughs> so I thought it was a good trade-off. You know, I cooked her supper and she typed my, my papers and everything. And so, you know, we got it done and I got elected and I served. And it wasn't that wasn't one of the requirements of to, to run if you could type. That was not one of the requirements. So I had all the requirements, okay? Anyway, um, but I, you know, I started living in a world that I hadn't lived in before. I had never been in the corporate world. I had never been around these business meetings and I didn't understand the lingo. I didn't understand the language, but you know, people, it didn't take me long to learn what they were talking about because I asked a lot of questions. My curiosity and my wonder of life really went into high gear with all of this, but I'm a, I'm a fast learner. I'm a good learner. I have a good brain and I'm, I learn really great. And I'm grateful for that. But my life of service to God and OA and to my family, you know, that's what I have a life for. I, and I do, I do it. I have done a lot of uh, OA service and I sponsor and I have a sponsor and I've had sponsors and, uh, I have shared uh, my experience, strength and hope in all the regions of, over to Sonomous, 10 regions, people. I have all of them I have served. And without the symptom of a compulsive overeating, I would uh, never have uh, gotten, I would never have gotten to be with all of you. And I, I would never have gotten to experience all that I have experienced, you know? Because uh, this barefoot country girl has had to. I have shared my recovery and carried the OA message throughout service, as I shared before, in all 10 regions of OA. And I have shared my life of recovery and OA's primary purpose in more than 32 states in these United States, either being a retreat leader, a convention speaker, or service work as trustee or vice chair of region eight, trustee, appointed trustee of region four or general service trustee. And I had the honor of being the Friday night keynote speaker at our 50th, 2010 opening night. That was very, very rewarding to me that my fellow members of the Board of Trustees put my name up there and I was chosen to do that. And Roseanne was sitting in the first row and she was, you know, she died not too long after that. But I knew Roseanne, I knew Roseanne and I knew her husband and I knew Marvin and uh, they loved to dance. And Roseanne would always wear her red flapper dress at the dances at the, uh, conference and everything. She was adorable and he loved to dance. And I have some pictures of dancing with Marvin, you know, so I have, a, I have all of that history 
of the Hanji. And, um, you know, I've, I've carried the message on four continents, North America, South America, Africa, Australia, New Zealand. And I've spent 12 hours in Europe, you know, and um, we were in Holland for 12 hours. I got to experience that. And um, I was in recovery of uh, seven years when I went to my first uh, intergroup meeting. I'd never even been to intergroup, you know? I mean, we didn't know what was going on uh, in Overeaters Anonymous that much. All we knew is we had these meetings in Homer and we were following this uh, format that came out of Los Angeles. And we had these tools and <clears throat> we had these few pamphlets. And then this book, this book, this Overeaters Anonymous book came out in November of 1980. And oh, we were excited about that. And, you know, and then our uh, Far Today in 1982 came out and that was so delightful that we had that. And, you know, a few, and I think it was in 2000 is when our uh, Voices of Recovery came out. And I just love our new Voices of Recovery because in the back where they have the uh, 12 steps in the 12 traditions, they have the spiritual principles listed beside them. And, oh my God, and we just pay so much attention to all of these spiritual principles. And I'm gonna share a little bit about them later. But uh, I just uh, like it that people are starting to understand what the spiritual principles we're talking about here because they're so documented. They're right there in plain view. And what's so good too about our second edition of uh, the OA 12 and 12, the spiritual principle is listed right, on, listed right under the steps. So, I mean, they're right there visible right before our eyes, you know? Um, so, but in uh, 19... Uh, uh, let's say in 1998, I uh, was uh, in recovery for seven years and three months. And the, no, it was in eight, nine, 1986. Guess what? I got to go to the World Service Business Conference. Oh, my God. Okay. It was in Los Angeles at that time. I got to go. I got to go to that little office that uh, where the office was that there at that time in um Los Angeles, this little bitty business office. And I just love that. They had a bus tour there, but that was in uh, 1986, um, okay? Uh, but I went to uh, to the business conference. I was uh, uh, a delegate for the Coca-Cola Intergroup, the central office of Louisiana. So in uh, 1992, I was elected to serve as the Region 8 trustee. I was 52. Can you understand that a barefoot country girl being a trustee of this corporate organization that didn't even know what a corporate meeting was at the beginning, okay? Um, and I couldn't even remember how to type. And uh, I got married, I had babies, and I, had a, I was a homebody. And all of this challenged my physical, emotional, and spiritual recovery. I did hone in my uh, typing skills, I did. And I uh, served two years as a Region 8 trustee until 1998. And while I was still serving as Region 8 trustee in uh, March of 1998, I was invited to South Africa to carry the message. I never even had a passport, never had a passport. I had to go about learning all of these things. And it was through the service of Overeaters Anonymous that it all started happening to me. Um, and guess what? We had a dear friend 
that gave Jimmy a ticket to go to Johannesburg, South Africa. So he was able to come to me. Because let me tell you, that man was so jealous that I was going to be getting to go there. And that I was going to be getting to go up on a safari with all these wild animals. When here he is, he's a deer hunter and a, a, you know, a, a outdoorsman and a taxidermist and all of that. And this wonderful fellow gave him that trip. And that it is such a gift and love. Boy, if that doesn't bring up tears of gratitude that, you know, people can love you that much to be able to do that for you. But we spent, and then when, uh, when uh, Cape Town, South Africa found out that I was coming to Johannesburg, um, they wanted me to go in earlier and do a, a, a retreat uh, the weekend before. And so I uh, had to call the person that was giving Jimmy that airline ticket, blah, 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 blah. Oh, don't worry about it, Janice. We can cover that too, you know? And so uh, we were able to arrange all of that. And we were able to... Uh, fly in uh, to Johannesburg and then into Cape Town and we were able to go on that four day African safari. What, what, a, what a gift, what a gift that we were able to do that. And then we flew back to uh, Johannesburg and uh, I did the retreat there and we spent 16 days. And uh, it was a whirlwind because uh, this was in March of 1998. And when I got back, I had to turn around the next day and go to uh, the Region 8 Recovery Convention and Business Assembly because uh, it was my last time as Region 8 trustee and that, that was when my term ended there. So it was a lot of emotion. And when I was packing to go to South Africa, I had the other suitcase packed to go to the Region 8 uh, Convention uh, that year. And so, you know, it, it's been a whirlwind and, and now I'm sitting here in my study talking to you on a computer. It's so different, but, you know, I, I just feel just as excited telling y'all about all of this because it's what OA has given me is because of me giving myself to OA, that OA has given me all of this. Um, and so then in uh, 2002, I was appointed to serve as the interim trustee for Region 4. Oh my, what a what an amazing. I took uh in nine months, I took four trips up to uh all the way from uh, Missouri and Nebraska and all of the states all up into Canada uh before uh uh up up Louisiana and Arkansas. So anyway, I got to do that. And you know, uh about uh, two or three weeks ago, a week ago or something with the uh, bulletin board. The bulletin came out from Old Readers Anonymous. If y'all not signed up for the bulletin from OA, all you have to do is go to the website and put your email address in there and you get the email. It comes out once a month and you know what's going on in OA. But I found out that uh, Region 4 is disbanding. Talk about a heartache that I feel about that. It's disbanding because there's no people to do service. There was no people to be a chair or blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I just really, really... I don't understand life today. I don't understand why people are not wanting to do this service. But, you know, that's my judgment. And, and that's my not wanting to accept life on life's terms the way it is right now. But uh, I had that pleasure of, of being able to do that. So so after, after uh, I finished being a Region 8 trustee, guess what? It was just finally going digital, computers and stuff, okay? So guess what? 
I knew I needed to get a computer, okay? I, I, I needed to learn how to use a computer. So I took computer lessons at my library, okay? And so then when I was, uh, region, was appointed uh, to be Region 4 trustee was when I really started doing stuff with my computer, okay? But my daughter was still helping me a lot because I still wasn't real good at it. But uh, I had to buy a computer. I had to learn how to use the computer. And so, you know, OA service has challenged me in ways that I would never have been challenged in, in my life because uh, then from uh, 2004 to 2008, I served as Region 8's vice chair. So, I mean, you know, it was so great. And this, in 2010, I was appointed to serve in, as Region 10 trustee. And that's a trustee to Australia and New Zealand. And I got to go twice over there. And one time I spent a month over there by myself. Jimmy stayed home. But he went with me to uh, Australia and New Zealand the first time I went. But um, can, can I still can't believe I'm telling this story sitting here, but I did. But anyway... Uh, that's how much I love OA. That's how much OA loves me. But, you know, I went to uh, Medellin, uh, South America, and I went to Caracas, Venezuela, and I went to all of these Spanish people, places, couldn't speak a bit of uh, Spanish, but couldn't understand them. But, you know, somehow or another, there's a few people that can interpret it, and that it's all good, all, all good, okay? Uh, anyway, uh, I, I want to share a little bit about the, uh, the the spiritual principles. I want to I'm going to share about the uh, the spiritual principles of the traditions because they, they're so vital. Okay, uh, as I shared, if you have the OA twelve and uh, OA Voices of Recovery, the second edition, they are listed, but they also are listed in the uh, twelve and twelve of uh, the new second edition, twelve and twelve. But you know, um, the the twelve traditions of Overeaters Anonymous are to the group survival and harmony what the twelve steps are to each member's uh, of recovery and peace of mind. Okay, uh, the twelve traditions also point straight at many of our individual defects. <laughs> okay, when we do in service, let me tell you, people, that the defects sure do. Uh, surface. And I want to tell you something. OA people will call you on your uh, mistakes, okay? I have really been called on them. Uh, but I told them, I said, I'm just this little barefoot country girl trying to learn. And I thank you for that information, you know, because uh, I did not know all of this corporate talk. I did not know all, all of these terms that they were talking about. But um, the disease of compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors may threaten the individual. Uh, but we know that it cannot destroy the common welfare of OA. And that, that's what's really uh, wonderful, that uh, OA members may get threatened, but OA is going to survive. I really do believe that. Uh, the spiritual uh, principle of uh, OA is that oneness of a whole, you know. And then uh, tradition two is trust. You know, to be able to, to trust that infinite God uh, to really be able to trust another person, uh, to trust, to trust, <clears throat> and to be able to identify, to be able to identify with uh, members of the 
of OA and, you know, to have that desire not to eat compulsively, but for, but for that desire to be fulfilled. That, that's what's so important about that third tradition for me. I have a desire not to eat compulsively, but that, that desire has been fulfilled in me. And so I, uh, I'm very grateful for that. And uh, the a fourth tradition spiritual principle is autonomy. And you know that I know as an individual member of Overeaters, I am a member of Overeaters Anonymous and I have a tonic, but I don't want to do anything that's gonna threaten OA as a whole. I really don't. I try to do everything I can to keep OA as pure as, as it can. And uh, tradition six, the spiritual principle is solidarity. You know, the unity and the fellowship arises from the common responsibility of this solid program that we have because I need to strive and practice living in solidarity, not just in OA, but in, in, but in my whole life. Uh, in uh, January of uh, 19, January 19th of 1960, which OA is 63 years old right now, it, it you know, it, it was built up with this unity and this solidarity from, from AA. But uh, it's just a beautiful thing for me to be able to practice and understand what these traditions are teaching me. And it's the responsibility. Um, you know, the unity of OA is my, as a whole is my responsibility. And I take responsibility for my action and I take responsibility for my, uh, my uh, unity toward OA and uh, my OA service. And, you know, tradition eight, the spiritual principle is fellowship. And, I love the fellowship of OA and the fellowship loves me back. And this is where I found the healing power of love. I found it through the fellowship of, of Overeaters Anonymous. If I had never been dadded, I'm surely been dadded now for sure, because they got guys in, in this program that I have just adored and they have really helped me. And you know, I'm I'm not a I wasn't a street person. So I tell you one thing, I would hook up with those guys that were street street people when I would travel all of these places because they took care of me and I loved that, okay? Uh, tradition nine spiritual principle is structure. Um, you know, it's um, not to be able to live in chaos. Um, OA, OA does not want me to bring all my chaos. It wants me to bring my recovery. It wants me to bring my recovery. I take my chaos to my sponsor. I take my chaos to the 12th step work that I do, <clears throat> not not to an OA meeting, not to an OA meeting, because it's not uh, fair for uh, me to spend time doing the work that I need to be doing with a sponsor or in, in my writing, uh, because chronic behavior is not what I need to uh, bring to OA meetings. And anonymity, you know, anonymity is the healing of all of this, and the spirituality is the principle of my soul, you know, it's just this principle of my soul, all of this spirituality. But uh, gratitude, gratitude, you know, I need to uh, be aware of what uh, I'm grateful for. And gratitude begins with the awareness that someone has done something for me. That someone is God, that something is Alcoholics Anonymous, and those first 100 that put documented that down in the big book I was anonymous, that someone is Roseanne, that time in early 1960s when 
She was struggling to get Overeaters Anonymous up, on, up and running, and she had a vision, and it was beyond her wildest dreams. And her dream came true that OA is all over the world. And uh, the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. I'm grateful for Homa OA. I'm grateful for that first meeting here in Homa on September the 15th, 1977, seven months before I came into OA. I'm grateful for my uh, COLA Inner Group, my central office in Louisiana. I'm grateful for Region 8, Region 4, Region 10, the OA Tools, the 12 Concepts of OA Service, members of OA, sponsors, my sponsors, my sponsor today, my OA meetings, my service, all of the OA service I was um, encouraged into, elected into, appointed to, supported in, nudged in, my uh, husband and my kids, and all of this structure and the path, the spiritual path has led me to all that I am today and I have in this recovered life. Because my recovery is not one big thing. It is a million little things. And these little things are what make life worth living. My life is intertwined with challenges and joy. What makes recovery and life worth living is what I have learned from all of these challenges. The excitement of recovery is that it goes on forever. And I am humbled for my need of God and all of you. I thank you. That's all I got today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janice. Um, did we want to take any questions right now for Janice? Wow, that was just super inspiring. Thank you. Anybody have any questions or did anybody want to share? Do we want to have some open sharing at all? Danny? I, I used to get upset that Sherry would call me Janny in front of other people, but it's a term of love. No, I don't get upset anymore, Sherry. It's a term of love and uh, it makes me feel special. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater and my name is Jan. And um, I got so much out of your share, Janice. So, so many things that resonated with me. But the, the thing that really... Um, that really got me was you saying, um, I'm recovered from the hopeless state of my mind and my body or something to that effect. Because I think I've been around these rooms for more than 20 years. I left for a while and came back. But I think I have still, no matter how much I focus on the spiritual uh, aspect of my program in my life, I still have it in my mind that this is a this is a way for me to lose weight. And when I lose weight, everything will be better in my life. And um, that is not the case. I have had uh, periods of great joy and gratitude and um, every other good thing in my life when I haven't been abstinent. And I've had periods of 
at great despair and frustration and anger when I have been abstinent. And I've been feeling a lot of angst and anxiety and frustration and a lot of things around that for the last month or so. And it occurred to me that the reason I'm feeling all that is because I am abstinent. And uh, it doesn't mean there's something terribly wrong with me. It just means I'm feeling those feelings that I was stuffing. So um, it's great to be reminded. It's great to have heard uh, uh, your share and, and everybody else that's participated today. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful that I was at this meeting. Thank you. Thank you, Jan. On spotlight. Uh, there we go. Anybody else have anything that they want to share? It's okay if we. Oh, uh, when? Yeah. Go ahead, Wendy. Hiya folks, I'm a compulsive overeater and my name is Wendy and I'm here by the grace of God. Hello, hello. And um, forgive me for, I know this is the second chair for me, I'll try to keep this short. But Janice, something that you talked about in uh, talking about the our um, traditions, which are so important and bind us together. And also in the uh, spiritual principles embodied in those traditions. And you talked about something that I think is so important about the purity of our meetings, that OA meetings, we've got to keep them pure. And we've got to stick to what we ourselves were the recipients of when we came in. And that is the message. Like in tradition five, it talks about that a group has one primary purpose and that's to carry the message and that we not forget that and let it be muddied by a lot of other things like, as you said, that need to be dealt with one-on-one -on -one with each other or with our sponsors. Um, man, I heard, I heard the, the message of recovery. That's what I heard. And I have an imperative to keep carrying that. And um, so thank you for, so much for talking about that. And thank you for, obviously you, you ha really believe in that commitment to keep our meetings um, honest and, and adhering to what OA is all about and the message that, that is line, um, has been set out for us. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Andy. Anybody else want to speak? You can raise your hand. Well, I'll um, jump in again um, and just say thank you also, Janice, for the reminder about the service that you've done. Um, I think all of those things that you've done are uh, they're possible for you know, most of us, for, for so many of us to be able to have those experiences um, doing service and come and do service for OA Rise. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, doing service, the thing about it is that you stay in the middle, you know. Um, I, I know uh, the saying, what is it? Uh, 
I have it on my wall at home. It's that it's the outside of the herd that gets picked off first. <laughs> so if you're standing on the outside of the herd, you know, it's easy to fall off. It's easy to fall off the table when you're standing on the outside. But when you're in the middle, um, you know, you're surrounded and you are supported and um, it's less likely that you're going to, you know, fall. And, um, and, and doing service, for me, I've met so many wonderful people, and and just as an example, just this meeting alone, the the, the few of us that do the um, the service of, of keeping it going, I just adore these people. I'm so grateful for having met them. And and there's a couple of people that live close to me, and then there's another in Alaska, and another, and I'm in Vancouver, BC, by the way, and another in Alaska, and another in. Oregon, another um, Bend, Oregon, I think, and then Seattle, and it's just like, I would never have met these people, and I'm really dedicated to them, and it matters to me to not let them down, um, and it keeps me here, and uh, and also, um, just sort of lastly, like, I, you reminded me of, of just finding gratitude in the things that I, I, I too, have uh, been brought places to lead retreats. Um, I have uh, uh, been a part of a convention. I have I went to Albuquerque as a, a, a region or an intergroup representative. Um, all these things that just would never have have happened for me. And uh, just just the the gratitude in that that I've kind of I don't know forgotten. I mean I'm, I'm I'm it's not like I'm not grateful for it, but I've forgotten about those things and how important they are. And then I find the gratitude in that, in, in remembering. So thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. I am just thrilled that you came to be here with us. Um, and uh, and yeah, there was a lot of uh, re uh, conventions this weekend. The reason one convention was happening, there was conventions on the East Coast. I know there was a bunch of um, things happening this weekend. So uh, we did not have the uh, mass numbers that we we hoped for today but like I said before we have a lot of people listening on the podcast and and I'm just thrilled that they'll be able to hear your message so thank you again and uh, did anybody else have anything they wanted to finish off with oh okay if not we will uh, close a wee bit early so uh, thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you, Janice, so much for being here. It was so wonderful to have you with us. And uh, we appreciate you sharing your experience, strength, and hope while giving service to the OA program. Together, we get better. A reminder that the opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. Please remember to honor our commitment to each other's anonymity. Take the stories, but leave the names behind. OA Rise's goal is twofold, to provide speaker meetings twice a month and to maintain a website to store the recordings of our speakers for both you and other OA members in the fellowship. Please give what you can to keep OA Rise going. We will post the seventh tradition contribution information one more time in the chat. Um, and Jan, would you be able to do that? Post that information? Thanks. Uh, OA Rise needs members to give service to this meeting. It is a very simple commitment that includes attending one business meeting uh, a month and one speaker meeting per month. And if you can't do one speaker meeting a month and you can do once every two months, that's cool too. We would just love to have you. Uh, no Zoom experience is necessary. Please send a message to one of the co-hosts if you're willing to give service. Um, and or you can send a message to info at oarise.org if you happen to be on the podcast. 
Um, additionally, we are always looking for speaker and speaker suggestions. So if you have any of those, please um, shoot us an email. Thank you everyone for being with us today. After we close the meeting, we will open up the chat for a short period of time and you can unmute yourselves if you'd like to connect with others. Please join us for another share of experience, strength, and hope on, I believe it's November uh, 5th. Yeah, November 5th. It's the first Sunday of November. And um, we will, we're gonna end with the, with the third step prayer. Um, I'd asked Janice what she wanted to end with, and that was what she suggested. And did I already pull the third step prayer? Oh, I didn't. Hang on two seconds. Let me just grab it. I am often on top of things, sometimes not. <laughs> Give me one second here. Uh, oh, dear. I posted it. I posted it. Oh, did okay. you? Oh, great. Thanks, Jan. Let me get back to Zoom here. Awesome. Appreciate it. Okay, I'm going to uh, allow everybody to unmute themselves if you want to join us. Okay, do you want to lead start off by leading us there, Janice? Yes. God, 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 Take, take away, away my difficulties, that victory over them, may bear witness to those I would help, of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life, may I do thy will always. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.